What's up guys, Casey and George with the Golden Bracket Racing YouTube channel. Got a special guest on with us tonight. You've probably seen him on his YouTube channel, The Monday Morning Racer, Mr. Lee Kraft. Also involved with the Competition Plus Power Hour with Slam and Sam over there. Uh, this guy's involved with all things racing, guys. I mean, we're talking drag racing, round track racing, dirt track racing, even boat racing. Uh, as of a few days ago, he became heavily involved with the media coverage of the World Door Slammer Nationals at Orlando Speed World. Uh, so, Lee, man, I'll toss it to you. How does it feel to be the interviewee rather than the interviewer? I, in fact, do love it, man. I love being the guy to do the interviews, but I enjoy being interviewed as well. Uh, more as more time goes on it seems like i just enjoy talking no matter what it is so if someone's going to give me a platform to run my mouth i will run it while wearing my shades and doing my monday morning racer thing for sure and yes i do plan on being down in orlando for the c-tech manufacturing world door slammer nationals presented by jags by drags <laughs> illustrated so the team at Drag Illustrated and Kings Ridge Media there with Courtney Enders, they are kind enough to open the doors to many types in media. Mind you, most events, that's the way you should be. Get all the exposure you can for your event. But yes, I'll be down there. I've got a coverage partner in Design Engineering Incorporated. They're helping out. But hey, if you hear this and you want to be a part of the coverage, let me know. Plenty of room still to be on the Monday Morning Racer coverage. Awesome. So we've been following the Monday Morning Racer for a while now anyway, man. Uh, thanks for having us on the other week, by the way. We really appreciate that. But we've been watching these interviews with heroes of the sport of drag racing, like like Pat Musi, you know, Roy Hill, Ricky Smith, etc. We had the Haradas on after us last week, uh, or Harada Racing, rather. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? How did you get this deeply involved in all this racing coverage? All right, so hometown for me. Well, let, let me start this way. I was born in Georgia. Mostly have lived in South Carolina, but I've also spent some time in Texas. So I got the main southern states covered. <laughs> now I'm in Roxboro, North Carolina. At the at, I work at Strutmasters in Roxboro, North Carolina. That's the headquarters for Strutmasters.com. If you need your air suspension converted to a passive suspension they're the suspension experts check them out at strutmasters.com but racing for me there was no way that i was not going to be a part of it or not have it in my blood so to speak my dad worked for ford motor company in the pro stock team way back in the day with hubert platt before that he was with gene cromer and the Agas Moonlighter Willis that they had, and also the Funny Car. So I grew up in a household that loved racing. I, some of the earliest memories I have as a kid is watching VHS tapes. Yes, I'm that old or young enough to still remember VHS, but 80s VHS tapes of NASCAR and Bill Elliott and Dale Earnhardt and Rusty Wallace duking it out in the late 80s into the early 90s. And with specifically the Monday Morning Racer brand, I was at I was pastoring a church in upstate New York outside of Rochester and I knew that things were not going to be 
of the atmosphere in which I could remain there. I was looking for the next step, the next place to go, and I had a part-time job on a dairy farm, and I had a part-time job as a maintenance technician at a fluid technology company. They mixed oils. So I, I knew the options were limited. I was like, what do I do? Lord, what do I do? And I'm sitting at home. I'm watching YouTube. That's what you do when you have nothing to do in our day and time. And I see these punk kids, and I'm going to say it, punk kids with these successful NASCAR channels. And I'm thinking to myself, if they can do it, I certainly can do it. So I started a YouTube channel. And whoa, wow, first let me say, a lot more work than I realized. Because when you get into YouTube, you're not just a YouTuber. No, you become video editor, you become graphic designer, you become social media guru. It's like you gotta know it all. And I have been working that and working that and working that to the point that after sleeping in, my, sleeping in my car, riding all night, driving all day, eating bologna sandwiches, I'm now at a level that I'm hosting a Competition Plus Power Hour that you know later on tonight we'll have Wes Buck and Terry McMillan and I've got my own drag racing show that I try to interview any and everybody in drag racing. And I actually work for a couple of top field teams on the social media side of things. And I'm actually on the phone trying to find sponsorships. So within two years, it has been an amazing ride. Thanks to, to God and, and Providence, as I believe. And here I am in motorsports media. And the highlight of it all is... I get to have a lunch with Amanda Busick every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nope, you can't, you can't go wrong there at all, man. And uh, certainly uh, really enjoying that Monday Monday Racer show. Uh, Casey actually introduced it to me a little while ago, and, and that's how I got uh, kind of engaged with you, man. I'm digging the goggles. I'm kind of thinking, man, you may be keeping it in your back pocket. You can give me maybe a, a screen name besides George Atchison <laughs> and maybe some type of prop. Maybe besides my helmet back there, because that'd be too hot. So I ain't putting my helmet on uh, by any means. But uh, yeah, you, you touched on how you got into it. So I'm, I'm pretty curious to understand more so your thought process as to where motorsports, I, of course, I'm speaking of drag racing in general, is headed. Which direction do you think we're going? Is it up? Is it down? Is it neutral on an even playing field? Or Because I have a thought process. I know you have one, and Casey has one as well. And I bet you they might be similar. I think motorsports overall is on an upward trend, and I think in particular drag racing is in an upward trend. For me last year, 2020, as terrible as COVID was, it was a year of tremendous growth for me. It was a quote-unquote good year. If you were detrimentally affected by COVID, my, my thoughts, my prayers go out to you, but I cannot sit back and say that 2020 was a bad year. It was a good year for me. And I think very similar for motorsports, it was a good year. When nobody else was sporting, you had motorsports racing. Uh, the PDRA was one of the first ones to come back and put cars back on the track. The NHRA, as much as I've got beef with the NHRA on some things, I give them credit. They said, we're going to do this and we're going to do it with fans in the stands. We're not going to be like NASCAR and just get our TV money. No, we're going to have rear ends in the seats. No matter how small or how large, we're going to do it where we've got fans in the stands and live up to our every ticket a pit pass. I think that drag racing last year, if they play the cards right from NHRA on down, it 
it'll be a springboard of moving forward and drag racing becoming more common in each and every household. I think drag racing is on a trend upward. You see the big money bracket races. That's great for bracket racing. Brings so much more attention to like, what is bracket racing? Let me go dig into this. How are these guys winning a million dollars? I think camping world getting involved with nhra as long as the nhra doesn't fumble that they actually carry the ball and use it wisely and truly work with marcus limonis and what he's going to bring to the table i think the nhra might have a brand new so to speak uh winston era they grew just like nascar did in the winston era well camping world might be a brand new time for the nhra to do that and i as much as it pains me to say gentlemen the nhra will allow drag racing to grow or the NHRA will keep it small. Mm. We we rise and fall with the NHRA. We just do. It is the show. So I hope for the sake of drag racing, and I think things look good, that, yes, it's a continual upward trajectory. Well, I'm going to be honest, Lee, you're really good at this. Like, I think you may have been inside of my brain somehow with my next topic. Especially, um, I was going to maybe talk about if drag racing would get back to the good old days or maybe the, the 80s and the 90s. I can remember John Force on interviews. I'm going to tell you that that is my favorite racer. It has always been my favorite racer. I am a John Force racing fanatic. Hey, you hate me or love me, I don't care. Just like John Force, uh, he told me one day, and I think it was 94 or 95 on an interview, that America was beautiful. And drag racing was the only way that a truck driver could win 50 grand in one day. So I'll never forget that comment ever. And then he went on to double up, and I think that was Indy. I really do. And he spanked Cruz Petragon pretty good. And, uh, and so I'm going to pass it back over to Casey because I know he's got another question. He's probably kind of chomping at the bit to ask you, too. Well, the question that I have uh, kind of aligns with what we were just talking about, which uh, is kind of the grassroots racing series. Uh, they kind of be. They kind of they kind of seem like they're growing like crazy right now. Uh, obviously, we talk mostly on this channel, uh, the Gold Bracket Racing YouTube channel, about bracket racing. And as a media man yourself, what do you think bracket racing programs, series, whatever you want to describe them as, uh, what could they do to get more publicity on the big stage and let more people know that they're they're going on and it's it's a way for them to actually get involved with the sport without being able to afford a nitro funny car or a pro stock or you know something like that how what would your opinion be on that well i think the bracket programs and not just bracket programs let me just say overall whether it's a small grassroots race a small no prep race whether it's a small alcohol even small nitro event i don't care what type of event it is when it's small Yes, I understand that it can be challenging to get the news of that event out, but get it out there. You know, find, for example, a going bracket racing that's got an established YouTube channel and set up those interviews and get your event known and out there. Call a Monday morning racer. Get on between the slicks. Send out your press releases. Look, Wes Buck says this. And I have begun to operate by it myself. You cannot complain about the music if you're not tooting your own horn. And there is so much truth to, truth to that. If you're out there 
and you're saying to yourself, we're not getting enough eyeballs on our channel. We're not getting enough eyeballs to our Facebook. We're not getting enough eyeballs to our racetrack. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not. The problem is not everybody else out there. It's you're not doing what is necessary to get the news out. So for these smaller programs, use Facebook, use Twitter, use the YouTube, use all the small platforms and get on the platforms and though you might not be on drag illustrated and having a press conference there call up going bracket racing say guys we want to do a press conference we want to make it feel big because we don't want to stay small we want to get big and we're never going to be big if we think small and do small things so get all the news you can out there wherever you can live stream it you know whatever you got to do Get it out there and get it out there wherever you can. So that being said, if you could change one thing about drag racing specifically in general today to make it big time like like we used to be, drag racing was a spectacle in the 1970s, like Jungle Jim had come in and everybody wants to go see Jungle Jim, uh, you know, and race race the Blue Max and all that kind of stuff and all these match races. Uh, do you think well i actually have i guess i thought two parts to this question now so i'll ask you the first part and then i'll ask you the second part that i just kind of came up with in the midst of it do you think that match racing would bring back some of the spectacleness, if if we can make that a word for now to drag racing do you think that blowing header flames out at an eighth mile track such as i know obviously you and i were both from uh, north carolina like at a roxboro or a kds motorsports or something like that a coastal plains a galat motorsports park do you think that that would get more people involved and interested in drag racing again if people want to say that match racing is dead or that it is not a advantageous way for drag racing to expose itself then go look at the night of fire night under fire program at norwalk ohio you will come away with that being like no it, it still can work it still can happen and though a track might not be able to do it to the size and the extent of norwalk ohio with summit motorsports park you can do something and you can spice it up. And let me say this, maybe match racing is not always bringing in a nitro car. We think that, we think match racing, we automatically go back to nitro. Well, the fact is, man, what it takes to run those nitro cars today, it's going to take a lot out of the pocketbook to get them to even come park at your track, much right. less take a hit down the track. Well, if that's the case, then take your track, open it up for, I don't know, free testing to big cars, and let their testing be done in such a way that it actually is match racing. They get their test, you get a show. I think some of this thing, some of these things just need to get worked out and just they, people just need to communicate. And you've got things out there for now that are very popular, Southeast Gasters Association. Well, talk to Quain. Maybe you can work something out and get two gassers to match race each other maybe it's match racing one gasser that doesn't race in sega against another gasser against a gasser that does race in sega and see if you can get that worked out and it's the battle of the gassers or something of that nature it doesn't have to be nitro small tracks and i think drag racing in general 
for too long now, it's been too white toast. We need to toast it up a little bit. We need to get right. some sourdough in there. We, we need to get some rye bread in there. We, we need to get some variety. Doggone it, some Wonder Bread in it all. I mean, it needs to happen. Like, for, you know, for example, you, you all, you two will remember this. The NHRA, why have they not done Funny Car versus Top Jeez, again? That is right. How many times have I said that, George? Oh, How man. many times? So much, George probably wants to throw up. I've said that so many times. It was a lot. The, they need to bring back the real Bud Shootout where they where they ran Kenny Bernstein in a top fuel car versus John Force in a funny car. That's what they need. Yeah. And I don't know if those two actually ran each other. I'm pretty sure they did. But but the uh, th that actually leads me to my next question. Then that I just thought of, which is. If you could change one thing about drag racing today, what would it be? Like we're talking NHRA, IHRA, PDRA, you have all the classes at your disposal. You have bracket racing at your disposal. Uh, what would you do to get more people involved with drag racing? How do you do it? How do you make people realize that, yes, there is this spectacle going on over here with the fuel cars that literally shake the earth that you cannot even explain to someone without bringing them there but how how do you make them realize that there is a way to work your way up to that if you if you can get in the right positions how how do you get more people involved with drag racing today and what would you change to do that certainly it's not one thing to be done there's a multitude of things i will say this when you look at drag racing right now, and I'll keep it at the NHRA level because I stick by drag racing as a whole rise and falls with the NHRA because they have spearheaded what we understand as a sanctioning body, what we understand as putting rules out there, what we understand as making drag racing drag racing. I mean, can you imagine how wild it was in the earliest days? Are we going to run a quarter mile? Are we going to do half mile? Are we going to do this, do that, you know? I mean, we're using tubes for the for the electronics and timing and lights and flagman, no flagman lights. I mean, wow. Well, they got it figured out, and it was able to have some growth and move forward. Honestly, I want to see transparency. And I think transparency, and I will, with that, with that being said, transparency say also along with it, I think they are tied together, availability. There has been not enough coming out from promoters, I think, on what is happening and what they intend to do and not enough availability. Look, the winner of the Daytona 500 goes on an extremely long media tour most of the time. It probably was different this year due to COVID, but they're on like uh, late night TV shows. They're on...
on early morning TV shows, and and people all over hear the hear and see the winner of the Daytona 500. But you don't get that with the U.S. Nationals. Mm-hmm. That tells me somebody has not been transparent and available enough to put their people out there in the limelight and the uh, you know the possibility of to take some shots too and be exposed to the world that hey our winner in top fuel is on late night television let's show everybody what you do what's it like going 300 miles per hour that's got to happen it's got to right. happen yeah no well, i agree like, with that I agree with that 100%. And uh, we got one question in the chat real quick I wanted to kind of cut to, and it's a pretty good one in my opinion. It kind of piggybacks off of what we're talking about right now. And uh, it's from Sean Pinkerton uh, in, our, in our Facebook chat there. And he's basically asking us, uh, is it really the corporate sponsor for the NHRA that that's the answer or driving these types of quote unquote big sponsors uh, to, the, to the, I guess, the larger of the racer team? And what's keeping these small racers, kind of the privateers, what's keeping them from getting larger sponsorship? I think you just hit the nail on the head. If we were to kind of find a platform to say, you just won the U.S. Nationals, what is it like to drive 300 miles per hour on Tonight Show or, or ESPN does something to kind of give a little you know, more attention to it? Maybe we do start to see these sponsors start to jump in on smaller cars and then next thing you know it isn't going to be how deep your wallet is to win a race anymore because everybody's wallet's deep what do you think uh lee what do you think right so drag racing for a while in sponsorship and i even think in media look i'm so glad that there is competition plus i'm so glad that there is drag illustrated i'm so glad there is drag zine and Drag Racing Edge and Extreme 3E, you know, E3 Extreme, all of these platforms that cover drag racing. If it wasn't for them, there wouldn't be that much coverage at all. But I can go to NBC.com and go to the sports section and get news on NASCAR. I don't have to go to Speed Sport. I don't have to go to Circle Track Scene. I don't have, I can go to major brands and get NASCAR news. We got to work that out for NHRA. We got to work that out for PDRA. We got to work that out for those brands. And to the point on sponsorship, this is the difference. We've all heard the old saying, it takes money to make money. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I and I know it firsthand now because I'm one of those guys trying to send emails and make phone calls and do some wheeling and dealing to get team sponsorship. Most of these sponsorships today, one way or the other, it is not just signing a check for exposure. Exposure, It is a business-to-business situation where you're giving this product to this company and they're going to sell it. And because they've got product at a discounted rate, the difference is sponsorship. So, uh, for example, I've been trying to work out a, partner, a, a deal with a construction company with a contractor business to business you look at what justin ashley's been able to accomplish with some of the other little sponsors that has come on board to his team they're business to business start start digging and unraveling these sponsorships let me make let me let me tie it together dhl 
Why are they on Coletta's cars? It's because he owns Coletta Air, people. (laughs) (laughs) He has a relationship with them. One, he doesn't need a whole lot of money because he's got Coletta Air, and he makes them a banging deal, and there's probably some business-to-business things happening. If you cracked open Coletta Air, I guarantee you might see some DHL packages every now and then. Let's take it back last year. They're not on the car this year with ABK beer, but Alexis DeJoria announced that she's got a new tequila brand on. I suspect, just like with ABK beer, there is a connection there because ABK beer, at at least last year, she had like 1% stock in the company. It's a business-to-business thing. So to answer your question, why do small teams struggle? Because most of the time they don't have the business connections that the bigger teams do. And if you want to have sponsorship, figure out how to make money for them while you're making money for them over there and making it for yourself. Yep. And I exactly. say that not knowing exactly how it's done. Yet. <laughs> right. let, me, uh, let me ask this question here real quickly. Going back to the uh, the match racing idea, you know about Studezilla, right? Studezilla needs to race a fuel funny car to the eighth mile at least. Am I right? Hey, look, what needs to happen with something like Studzilla, in my opinion, you need to do a match race where it is a top fuel Harley, it's Studzilla, funny car, and top fueler, (laughs) bracket that tree, and who wins out and is on top. That's what you do. Yep, yep, we (laughs) got enough tracks. the craziest one. (laughs) Nope, that's perfect. That's perfect. Look. Go wild. Go look. I love. I love what Chris Graves is doing with Funny Car Chaos. I and love then that this, show. And, and this year, he's like, you know what? We're 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 gonna we're gonna go even wilder. We're gonna we're gonna throw more chaos in the tank. You got to come to our show, Nitro Chaos, and you better be bringing eighty percent at least in the tank. Don't bring me fifty percent. Don't bring me sixty-five. You best have at least eighty. You're running or blowing at Nitro Chaos, and you anything, anything, anything but, but, as long as it runs Nitro, bring it. I was reading into Funny Car Chaos, and I had mentioned that the other day. The Funny Car Chaos is going to be such a cool show, and I really wish that I could go to it. George might be able to sneak over to it, being in Texas neck of the woods. Of course, we all know that Texas is a large place. But uh, the point is, is that that is the type of show that is not to be missed. And the reason being is the slow guy can still win the championship. The way he has it set up with A, B, C, D, however far he goes, Funny Car, uh, I'm fairly certain the fastest guy didn't win the championship last year, did he? I don't believe so, no. You know, the fastest guy in the Funny Car Chaos situation would be Millendorf. I think that's how you say his name. But being the fastest in Funny Car Chaos doesn't mean you always win, in fact. You know, sometimes that consistency factor, kind of like in bracket racing, can win the day. So what if you got the fastest bracket car? Sometimes I'd rather have the bracket car that has the least window uh, right. going in and out of its dial-in. Hmm. Well, it's like, it's the cool part about Funny Car Chaos is they, they truly made it about the show, and he pays back far enough where people still want to show up because there's still money to be made. And it's just, it's a really good idea, and I wish more people would follow that business plan to realize that paying back further means... 
I mean, it's hard to say with, with us being bracket racers and big money bracket races, seeing that big number on top is actually what gets people out there. But what puts on the show is getting the cars there and to get the cars there of that caliber, you have to pay back more. And people don't really care so much about that top number. They care about the showing up number. And that's the problem that NHRA had with all the fuel classes, uh, with all everything that was going on over the winter time, you know, but I agree with you. Camping world is, is the best thing that could ever happen in NHRA. In my opinion, that's the closest we're ever going to get to the Winston days ever. I agree. I mean, look, look at, uh, look at the parking lot of any, and I'm talking any event. It doesn't matter if it's a bracket race. It doesn't matter if it's a divisional. It doesn't matter if it's a national event. Every one of those tracks is a campground. Every single one. This is the best thing that could ever happen to the NHRA, period. If anything's going to bring NHRA and rise it from the ashes like Phoenix, it's Camping World. I'm telling you. Yep. yep. And also, of course, we're bracket racers. And uh, don't forget about Camping World. I know I looked uh, on their website and kind of in the area of St. Louis, I was going to be, I was going to head down to St. Louis in April, number one, retrieve the S10 from my father's house. And then number two, I was going to race it at Gateway there. Well, I don't have a place to stay when I go uh, to St. Louis. It's either going to be a hotel or having to drive, you know, 45, 50 minutes from my father's house. Camping World may or may not rent RVs. So that means I can rent an RV, take it to the track and stay right there at the track. So that's something that's huge for us bracket racers because not everybody has the ability, especially Casey and I, I mean, he's only 30 minutes from, from a lot. But if we were to go to, to Darlington to run one of the bigger races, um, we're going to have to pay for a hotel. I'd much rather stay at the racetrack and enjoy the after, the after hours racetrack life than I would go home or to a hotel room. Um, so definitely Camping World gives us a lot. Just and, uh, hanging out by hey. ourselves we look like losers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd much rather be there. We can invite Lee and, and bring the goggles. I love those. Yeah, I'm going to find where you bought them and I'm going to wear me some one of these days. <laughs> Oakley Sutros. Oakley Sutros. And yes, I was wearing them way before What's his name? The quarterback for the Chiefs started <laughs> ranting. I I was flexing these long before. You got long it. before. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. We definitely uh we certainly appreciate you uh stepping on, stepping on to the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel for a show for our fans there. We definitely appreciate what you're doing for our sport, our love, the, the thing next to our heart called drag racing, that one that thing that you love to smell, the fuel and the rubber and all that and getting dirty and all that. We definitely can't thank you enough for stopping by there. And uh, if you haven't, everybody watching here, uh, make sure to head over to Monday Morning Racer. I've got a link in, in the, in the uh, video there. You can head over to his Facebook, give him a follow, give him a like. That way you get his, his, his alert that says, hey, I'm live. I'm about to talk about something real near and dear to your heart. You're probably going to laugh. You might cry a little bit. It just depends on how you feel that day. But at least you have the alert so you can be there. At the same time, head over to his uh, YouTube channel. Give them a subscribe and, and show, show some support to our racers out there. Uh, kind of giving, giving back uh, is the way I'd like to say it and sharing the knowledge with us. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Lee, what else you got for us, I guess, before you go? You got any closing remarks for us? I would say, and I want to take that, what you mentioned about, oh, hey, I might go rent an RV. And let's elaborate on that. Yeah. A bracket racing team. You see some of them, and it's like, how did they get a sponsor? You see top fuel teams. How did they get a sponsor? So we already talked the business to business side of things. 
use every available opportunity out there to your benefit. Everybody today has a platform and you can create that platform. I am a living, breathing example of that, that in a short amount of time, here I am, and for whatever reason, people want to talk to me about drag racing out of nowhere, it seems. Why? Because Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, it gives us a platform to get a message out unlike ever before. So, let's say you go to Camping World. Film the experience. Film getting your RV. Film towing to the track. Film staying at the track. And say... Camping World, we, I want to say thank you for being involved in drag racing. I'm a bracket racer. We'd love to see how we get you more involved in bracket racing in particular. As you can see, we make up the most of drag racing. In fact, we're renting more RVs. Marcus, thank you for being involved. And I can tell you, an entity like Camping World, they will see it. Marcus is highly active on Twitter, so is Camping World. They will see those things. But as, as a as a fan base, drag racing fan base, and as a racer base, we've got to start doing more to say thank you to the brands and products that are in our sport so that they recognize that we know that they're in our sport and that they, in fact, do stay in our sport. I can remember thinking to myself, Leah Pruitt, she had last two years ago announced a sponsorship with Sparkling Ice. I think that's the drink, Sparkling Ice. Yep. And I had never had a Sparkling Ice. I saw it in the convenience store. I didn't want what I usually get. I like variety in life. And I said to myself, I'm going to purchase that. And I purchased it. I took a swig of it. I was like, that's not too bad. I snapped a photo. I tagged Leah. I tagged Sparkling Ice. I tagged NHRA. And I said, I want you to know, Sparkling Ice, uh, Sparkling Ice I am a drag racing fan, and I purchased this today because I saw your name on her car. We need to be doing that as racers. We need to be doing that as fans so that the consumer world – that which we need their money to come in because everybody's like, well, why doesn't drag racing have M&Ms? Why doesn't drag racing have Jolly Rancher? Why doesn't drag racing have Bass Pro? You know, I don't know. Maybe because they think drag racers don't purchase those things. Silly thing to think. Hmm. But, but start showing the consumer world that is already within drag racing that we appreciate you and we use your products and we buy your products. Look, Everybody going to Gainesville this year, they ought to be in a Camping World RV. You got it. They, they ought to go trade in their <laughs> RV they got from somewhere else and get a Camping World RV. You got I it. Stick Camping <laughs> World on it. Show that, hey, we appreciate you being involved in the sport. Have your fridge you know, packed with sparkling ice and cattlemen cut beef jerky. And, and I'm not saying I'm trying to be a living billboard, but let's say thank you. <laughs> To the people well, involved in no one yeah. no one you can't expect anybody to know you exist if you don't tell them you do bottom line it's fact. no you got right. it no. you got to tell them you got to tell them. if we're ever if we're ever going to gain an edge over stick and ball and we're ever going to gain an edge over nascar fans and racers and teams have got to do a lot of the footwork and we've got the platform now social media gives the platform like ever before to get the exposure that well we always say we don't have it's out there it is out there y'all you two y'all are going to bring more exposure to bracket racing someone is going to 
be exposed to bracket racing, become a bracket racer, go up through the ranks, and they're going to be like, you know what? If it wasn't for going bracket racing, I wouldn't be here right here today holding a trophy. Matter of fact, I beat them in this big money race. <laughs> no, you didn't. No. No, <laughs> no I, I had to do that because that person probably is going to say that, and you can call me a liar. George, said I wasn't going to beat you on that show, and I did it. So, so be it. I'll shake your hand at that point. As long as he wants to be in the winner circle picture, he just wants to be in that I picture. Mean, it doesn't matter if he got himself there or somebody else did. He just wants to be in it. <laughs> oh, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> well, certainly, Lee, hey, appreciate you. Uh, we'd love to have you on again. Anytime you want us on Monday Morning Racer, you know what to do. We are here. Uh, I have another question for you, but maybe I'll save it for the next one because I know that I want, to, I want your thought process on what – can bracket racers do that would be interesting in the NHRA events? Not just top sportsmen or top dragster. My dad runs top dragster every now and then in NHRA events, so I understand that. What about the 67 Nova versus the 1990 S10? This one's dialed 8 flat, that one's dialed 1050, and let's go drag racing. So I'll pick your brain about that maybe on the next show, and um, I'd like your input on that. So. I've got some thoughts because yeah, the, the sportsman racers, for example, and I won't answer your question, but you got like Dan Fletcher out there. Dan is the man. And yes. and he, he is like, dude, like you want to talk about competitor. I remember the first time I met Dan, it was at Pomona. And I was like, hey, Dan, I work for Strutmasters. I'm going to be helping coverage on the car. And and so on so on so on he's like cool man cool well, i gotta get the staging lanes so i'll catch you later and i never hardly caught him the rest of the day because he's always in the staging lanes with like the three cars he brings out but he he lost like right before the semifinals, and he he didn't treat me very he didn't treat me churishly he was respectful but he's like, man, I just, I just don't feel like doing an interview right now. And he actually apologized for me that later on. But I understood what he was going through. He, he literally said, he's like, when you come out this far and you don't win in the money round, it just hurts. And it's like, here's a story the general populace needs to know. Because, I mean, that's like, I didn't make it to my job interview for that big job. Right. I mean, it's like the same thing. That's a story that needs to be said. That's a story that needs to get out there. That's a story worth hearing instead of, oh, I lost first round. I'm getting on my private jet. That's right. not that story. Exactly. That's, and they, man, they, I needed to win that round because I wanted to go to the next race, and now <laughs> I'm not sure how I got to do that. Right, and that's that's the part where I think people, I think people can relate to that. The average guy can relate to that. 75% of the population at least can relate to that story without even being – interested in drag racing they're interested in the story you know yeah. and i think that drag racers i think west buck said this at one point drag racers have allowed themselves to be second class citizens for too long mm -hmm. and i think it has to do with the fact that a lot of us all work on our own cars we do our own stuff we can't pay somebody to build a motor for us we can't pay somebody to build us a new chassis uh so we allow ourselves to think oh grassroots means something totally different than it does grassroots also means that you're more capable than kyle bush you know kyle bush can't build his race car there's a whole lot of guys that do what we do that can't that's right true. right 
Sure. Yes, get. I know Wally Parks at one time said, "The cars are the stars." Mm -hmm. Look, Wally, thank you, but you're wrong. Garlett said that was his biggest downfall. You're wrong. The cars are not the stars. Is it impressive to see a top fueler? Yes. And I look, I've been I'm I'm right there on the line. I mean, it is it's hard to describe what is happening. I mean, it's like your life is put on pause for that moment. Mm. It's it's strange. You know it's coming and it's just you're bracing for it, but boom. Yep. And you're like, for for that second, I don't know what was going on in my life. <laughs> you know. And it's impressive, the smells, the sights, the sounds, but the fact is people connect with people. Right. And a story about the human experience wrapped around racing will go farther than just a race car. That's a fact. That's a fact. It, it kind of gives anybody the ability to be imaginative, for lack of better terms. Like, I, I literally, when you gave your story and kind of told us about uh, uh, his name slipped my mind already, but he didn't win the final. So I, I really, I can relate to that. Imagine, not just because I, I, I drive a race car, but because I've always wanted to, and some people always want to, but I've never had the chance to. Now, not quote unquote, do they have the chance to live vicariously through that person? They actually get to feel that person if they're anywhere around it. So you got to feel something is, is why you said that. You felt, I feel your pain. And it's like, I get it. I wouldn't want to talk to me either. I just lost the race. Dog, but that's dang, leave me alone. You know? That's why we need people like Lee, the Monday morning racer, to cover this stuff because he actually recognized that that's a story. Exactly. Most people want it because they want to go straight to John Force's trailer and talk to him about his 150th win. Oh, exactly. Like everybody else. Exactly. Everybody else is covering that. You know? <laughs> exactly. And don't get me wrong, as previously stated, everybody on this right now is a John Force fan. Everybody is. He's the most likable guy in motorsports, in my opinion. But. He has enough people paying attention to him. Right. You know, for me, when I started this, I was like, all right, I want to interview John Force. I want to interview, but I was. I also said to myself, you know what? There's a lot of people out here in these pits that have great stories that people do want to hear something from them, but they don't get the coverage. So I made up my mind, I'm going to make a place for the Del Creasy Juniors. I'm going to make a place for the Alex Miladonoviches. I'm going to make a place for the Lex Junes, the Doug Foley's. I'm going to make a place for these individuals that don't have big names. And some of the most popular material I have put out, it's not an interview with Ron Caps, though thank you for your time, Ron, and those have been popular. But... One of my most one of most viewed interviews ever is with Del Creasy Jr. after he took out Tommy Johnson Jr. in round one in Indy. Hmm. It's Del Creasy, right, you know, right, and right. and I like to ask questions that I think people kind of always have wanted the answer to. Like I didn't know what Tech Pack was. Tech Pack Incorporated is on his car, and there's nothing really that says what it is. I imagine because of Pack that it has something to do with packing, but I wasn't sure. So I asked him. I'm like, what's Tech Pack? And he was able to, you know, to describe what it was. It's basically, basically they're a plastic packing company, if I remember correctly. That's what they do. And being able to, to go talk to him, it gave him exposure, gave the sponsor exposure. 
And there are so many stories like his that are out there that need to get out there and that people are hungry for. Look, I, I'm a John Force fan. I am. I can remember going to the Southern Nationals as a kid, and I was hoping that it would be John Force and Dean Scusa line up and qualify. Because I always I love you, I always the biggest turnouts ever. The, the longest turnouts ever. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Well, look, John is 70 something years old, folks. And I don't want to move the man out of the sport, but we need a new star yep. that can carry into the next couple of generations. Yep. Right. You hit that spot on. And I think he or she is out there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Look, we, we need Tanner Graves back in pro stock. I, I'm a I'm an Erica Enders fan. Same. I wasn't a Tanner Gray fan, but I wish another Gray or someone else would come along and poke and chide a little bit. We right. need rivalries. And, and, and we, we, we need a little bit of like, oh, they were about to get in a fight in the pits. Right, right. You know, I mean, and I hope at the end of the weekend everybody's cool and they're over it and they're ready to go race. But we, we need some controversy. Yeah, you're actually catching each racer in their element. I'm, I played college basketball. I'm the, I will be your best friend off of the war ground, which is the basketball court. But on that basketball court, I am a multi-time felon. I'm going to try to kill you, literally, for lack of better terms. So I like to see that clash. I really do. And you see it happen a lot in NASCAR. You don't see it really censored at all or stopped. Like, I think I watched a preview or a replay just a week or so ago. The guy took his helmet and just chucked it right. I mean, in pit road, chucked it right at that car. You know, and I'm Tony pretty sure. Stewart. Yeah, Tony I'm pretty Stewart's sure style. after that race, they probably had words, if not came close to blows. It, it, it's what we do when we got our heart attached to it, and it's something that we, we're. I'm competing at this, so man, you know, better, man. You know who got a lot of flack back in the day for for all of that stuff, and he went too far on a couple times, but. You know who always got a lot of views? Robbie Gordon. Robbie Gordon is the biggest person in motorsports in everything except drag racing. You know, Robbie Gordon has been a superstar in IndyCar, NASCAR, more than anything, desert racing, which surprisingly no one ever knows about. Robbie Gordon dominates trophy trucks, destroys everybody during, you know, like, I mean, Robbie Gordon, I was a huge fan of him back in the day. I was a fan of him, fan of Tony Stewart. And the reason being is because they're not taking any crap from anybody. And that's the way I grew up on a farm. That's the way I grew up. And uh, stand up for yourself and uh, don't act like an idiot, you know, but stand up for yourself. And that's what motorsports is based around. We need to get back to that, man. Everything's too squeaky clean. And that's, that's the thing that bracket racing is not necessarily. You hear a lot of those voices at the track. You hear whenever people have a, a heated discussion. You hear it. Every single bracket race, there's a lot of stuff going on there, man. It's oh, not just oh. on-track stuff. Right. Oh, I mean, it happened. I remember it happening at the junior dragster level. <laughs> Dude, you didn't, you didn't get in the beams close enough. Or why, why are you playing with the throttle on the top end against me? Or, you know, I mean, all that, all that type of stuff. Yeah, no. Oh, I mean, and in bracket racing, it, it you know, the, it, the games go deep. And... Uh, yeah, I, I want to see more double bulbing. You know, I want to see more. Uh, I want to see more. Uh, you know, why didn't you burn? Why didn't you do your burnout soon enough? And why did you just do a quick one? And uh, you know, look, it's it's like what me and my co-host Sam Smith, Outlaw Performance Entertainment, Slam and Sam, we're doing on Competition Plus Power Hour on Tuesday nights. 
I like Sam. I count Sam as a friend. But on that show, I don't agree with him all the time. Uh, at the end of the night, I want to win. I want my argument to be the best argument. And at the end of the day, people are like, man, the Monday morning racer, he said it, and I, I agree. And and he's the man. And, you know, if you know, like tonight, we got – we got Wes Buck coming on the show. I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Well, yep. here's a, here's my last my last question, Lee. I know I know you got a lot going on tonight, but I got to uh, ask you this one more thing, because you being a media man, I feel like you're my best uh, asset to ask this, so to speak. So, I understand that, like you know, you got to be kind of at at this point squeaky clean for the sponsors. That's the theory, right? Now, let me ask you this. During the time that Cameron Ferre and uh, and uh, Torrance had that little spat, how long were they on TV with the sides of their cars and their shirts showing and all the everything showing? And I understand certain people don't want to be associated with things like that, but how much is that worth to a company? What's it worth to a company to have for the entire next two weeks or so having those two guys with their logo showing? on on their shirts on their cars on everything yes you have bad publicity is there a such thing as bad publicity i don't think you get into bad publicity unless you've like murdered someone or right. talking about pedophilia or something <laughs> of that nature you know if you had a little scrap on the top end that's what it is. Oh, look in motorsports that that made espn when was the yeah. last time drag made espn yeah exactly no when i saw that the last time Oh, and look, I'm not saying that I want to see that every race. I'm right. not that guy. Right, like, right. I'm not the guy that goes to the hockey game to see a fight. I'm not that guy. But if a fight breaks out, I'm like, hit him. Yeah, get him. I mean, I'm going to cheer on along with everybody else. But the sport needs those moments. No, I don't. Let, let me take that particular case. Let's take that particular case. With Steve Torrance. Well, it didn't affect him at all because they own that company. They're exactly. going to have the contracts they need to get, period, all right? And with a bunch of roughnecks in the oil fields and the pipeliners and the fleet, yeah, you know, they're probably pretty glad. You, you, you smack that punk. Go ahead. <laughs> We're going to work with y'all. You know, on Cameron Foray's side of matters, I cannot remember who he had on the car for that race. Mm -hmm. It might have been one of the times there weren't too many on the car. He had a slight affiliation with strutmasters.com that race. Because it's interesting you asked me that because I was – that was my first weekend helping Strutmaster cars. Oh, wow. And Terry Haddock, which Cameron Foray was driving for, he's a, is a Strutmaster's car. So I had the behind-the-scenes huh. uh, look to all of it. And, it, folks, if you think that was interesting between Cameron Foray and Steve Torrance, oh, no. That was nothing. That was nothing. I still to this day don't know what was said, but Mama K came Ooh. over to the Haddock pit, and and Haddock was leaning up against his his suburban that he had ridden or whatever, and Mama K was letting into him. I don't know what was being said, but it was yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yeah. Woo! Wow, she won the battle then. Well, she yeah. won the war. She won the war, not the battle. But to to that extent, no, I don't think that sponsors were hurt i think it elevates the sport it puts it in the limelight could you lose a sponsor over that sure but i think as much as you could lose a sponsor you could pick one up agreed yes. i agree with you 100 percent. let with all that being said let me let me say this because i've had cameron on my show 
uh, before, and I have interviewed Steve briefly before, and I count Cameron as a friend. Uh, they have a great friendship now. There is no animosity. There is no bad blood. Uh, when Cam was uh, was out of the car for a little while in 2020, and he came to Indy to step in the leverage ride, one of the first ones over there was Steve Torrance. And folks, if you've got any animosity toward the Torrances, you need to drop it. You really do. Yeah. They help so many top fuel teams, and they help funny car teams. For example, like the leverage team, which is fan friendly it's kid friendly they give the double whack in the pits during warm-up hey they they've gave a set of tires before they've gave you know things they've gave technical expertise before i mean when kyle wurzel was having his big issue with ignition they were over there trying to help him out so if you've got something against torrents work it out because they are a big help to the nhra field for a lot of teams that, especially this year, part-time teams, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. you got to consider the times, too, because I'm pretty sure that that round of racing was really, really important for Steve Torrance, if I'm not mistaken myself. And, I mean, that was just a colossal kick, swift kick in the pants. You can't expect <laughs> somebody just to be, hey, man, give me a hug. You just whoop but you tail. know what, man? <laughs> That's the bracket racers in us sitting here, though. We're Me and George, we're over here rooting Cam on for trying something because he's the like, underdog. You got me. You we, got my vote. I'm, yeah. I'm a Cam fan. You know, I added him to Facebook. I started watching to see where he's coming. I know what's yep. going on. Congratulations on the, yep. the newborn and everything. Yep. And, yep. hey, yep. I'll be watching when you get back, Cam, <laughs> we, because, hey. We, uh, We've joked, uh, Cam and the circle that's around like Cam, we've joked ever since then. Because there's been a few times where he's actually staged against Steve Torrance again since that time. And there's been a few jokes of taking the white shoe polish and riding deep on the car <laughs> you know, and letting them know what's going to happen. So I, I wish they would do that. That'd be so great. Hey, talk about them. getting some media coverage. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, getting some media coverage. Getting Help some exposure. Out, Cam. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> on the other side of it, the laugh after that, that that's going to be priceless. You, you yes. really don't have the ability, especially if Torrance doesn't know it's coming. Torrance, yeah. don't watch it. Actually, Torrance watched this show, but just... Fast forward this part. I want you to be surprised when he rides deep on the side of there, and, and everybody's going to have a good laugh, including and hopefully including some people in the stands who actually understand why is there deep written on the side of a top field dragster. Okay, so man, this has been a great this has been a great show. I, I can't uh, thank you enough, Leaf, for stepping on. And like I said before, we will reciprocate at any point in time. And uh, I'll probably see you at Texas Motorplex. I'm pretty sure because I'll be out there for. Uh, for the good old national national event. Yeah. Got who you got, got to thank, Lee? We know you got a million affiliations. Who do you got to thank? Wow. Who, who do I got to thank? Well, first, guys, look, though I do not deserve anything that I have, I, I do want to uh, thank uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a believer, and I firmly believe I'm where I'm at today because of Providence. It has been an amazing ride. Uh, I'm, I am undeserving of it, and I'm able to live out a dream. I've always wanted to be deeply involved in motorsports. Ultimately, I, I want to drive. I want to drive a top fueler. I'm, I'm, I, that's ultimately what I want to do. I was a kid dreaming 
to be like Bob Glidden and pulling all them levers. I, look, I know they don't use levers no more, but just one time, I want to pull all the levers, just one time. I don't care if it's in a bracket car or whatever, I want to pull all the doggone levers. And, uh, you know, at least a shot down the, the strip in a top fueler would be great, just sitting in one and warming one up. Uh, Mike Ashley has said he will pay for me to ride on a top fuel Harley, and uh, I want him to have the check ready. But uh, definitely, I've got to first say thanks to the Lord and uh, thanks to Mom. Mom, thank you for being the biggest supporter I've got, my number one fan. Thank you for that. Uh, Chip Lofton, strutmasters.com. Chip saw in me some potential, and he's like, I want to give you a boost. And he's definitely been giving me, gave me a boost in the direction that I've been going. Uh, Bobby Bennett, Competition Plus, giving me a bigger platform on the Competition Plus Power Hour. There are several partners, such as Hero Soap Company, Gearhead Coffee uh, Company, and uh, Power Built Tools. I've got promo codes with all those companies. If you want to check out Monday Morning Racer, you'll hear about them, but you can save some money while helping Monday Morning Racer. DEI Design Engineering Incorporated, so they do abrasive wraps, heat wraps, sound control. Uh, definitely check those guys out for your needs in that department in the world of motorsports and your street rod. But they came on board with some coverage there for the World Door Slammer Nationals. And if anybody else is looking to support the coverage from Monday Morning Racer filming, qualifying, and eliminations at the SeaTech Manufacturing World Door Slammer Nationals presented by Jigs at Orlando Speed World, Please contact me. You can do that via email, Facebook, YouTube, Smoke Signal. I'll answer it. <laughs> Got it. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for stepping on here. And uh, real quick, as we always do over here at the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel, we want to.